0: This podcast is presented to you by pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I'm going to pick up where we left off yesterday. If you're taking notes, uh, we were talking about uh, kind of our theme is around the idea that the essence of why we pray, and we were covering you know, how Jesus prayed and, and the purpose of prayer, and Uh, The access that we have boldly before the throne of God because of our prayers, because of what Jesus did on the cross, and uh, also how we can uh, affect our access to God, or at least our relationship with Him. It's important that we live holy and and, and lives. And God gave us certain promises concerning prayer, and I went through all those promises that we found by the uh, by John, John, and, and, and I read through the Gospels of John and through 1 John. Uh, so I want to pick up today, let's see if I can find out where I actually dropped off. I think I was talking about a sin unto death, is that right? Yes. And uh, so I want to kind of maybe I'll go back and just cover a little bit of the ground that we did before and then I'll pick up from there, okay? Um, I'm just looking for my notes here. You think I'd be prepared, don't you? Say, we forgive you, Pastor. Okay, we did that. Here we go. I'll pick it up here. So we want to be in tune with the will of God, don't we? Don't we all want to His? Being tuned to the will of God. Something I'm learning in my marriage and something I'm learning in life is uh, there's an art to attuning yourself. If you want a great marriage, you have to learn to attune yourself to your marriage. You have to attune yourself to the needs of your spouse. Uh, Attunement is a a very, very powerful thought, a very powerful idea. Uh, Many people uh, want God to attune himself to us. But we need to attune ourselves we need to align ourselves with what god says Uh, another way to say attune when i was uh i've grown up around pianos my whole life my mom was a concert pianist and uh, i took 12 years of piano lessons and so every so often that piano goes out of tune so when you bring a piano tuner in he takes the tuning fork and he hits it against the side of the piano and he listens to the tuning fork and then he plays the note and he has a, a wrench that tightens the string to where not the same sound but the same wavelength. It's the same sound, but it, not only the sound, but the same wavelength. So the tuning fork is resonating at a certain wavelength. And so he's listening to the wavelength and the sound. Well, God does the same for you and I. He says, if you'll attune yourself And he gives us the tuning fork. The tuning fork is his word. And if we attune ourselves, if we tune ourselves according to the word, we're not going to miss the heart of God. We're not going to move too far from what God is saying or doing in our lives. But many people don't attune themselves to the word of God. What they do is they attune themselves to their opinions of the word of God. Or they tune themselves to what they think about the word of God. Or their experiences. Or they make excuses for their habits. Or they make excuses for their lifestyles. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Just tap your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you this morning, okay? So there's only one way to know the will of God, and that's through a growing understanding of what is written in the Scriptures and attuning ourselves to the will of God. And, and, and that's why I believe that the Apostle Paul prayed in the book of Colossians. He says, be filled with the knowledge of His Word, so that they could not only pray according to His will, but live lives pleasing to Him in every aspect of their lives. What are you filled with? See, what, what you're filled with is what will come out of you. Amen? And, and so this is just one of, I mean, several biblically mandated responses. And, 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 of course, the context of this message is about in dealing with a sinning brother, how do, we, how do we deal with a sinning brother? Well, first of all, you can't deal with a sinning brother if you're not filled with life because what you're going to do is you'll end up being filled with judgment. Is that right? John uses the all-inclusive word, if anyone, or whenever anyone sees. This applies to everybody. When, in, whenever anyone sees a brother sin, this is, uh, by the way, a point of action verb. If anyone becomes aware at any point in time of a brother continuing to sin in a particular sin, or another way of translating it would be at the moment that you see a person that has a sin in their life, or you see a continual kind of sin, that word, when you become aware of a brother sinning a sin. How many of you are aware of a brother sinning a sin? How many of you grieve over some of your brothers, their reputations in the marketplace because they sin sins? Anybody? Do you grieve or just, just me, the pastor, that grieves? I grieve over the, some of the reputations of some of our businessmen because they have terrible reputations. They, 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 they prance around telling everybody they're Christians, but they're, ee, their attitudes, the way they live is so selfish, so ungodly, so unkind, and it's sinful. Some of it's very sinful. When you see a brother sinning, when you become aware of a brother sinning a sin, and, and, and here we see this is in the present participle, and it indicates an awareness of sin or a pattern of sin in a brother's life. When we become aware of or we see a pattern of sin in our brother's or sister's life, what has our response been? I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I find that we have really weird responses in the body of Christ. Sometimes we just ignore people. Sometimes we shun them, we chastise them. Sometimes we just get rid of them. We, we, you know, uh, I, I felt like our message last night was so accurate regarding uh, how we're supposed to respond. I mean, had those Israelite spies, what were they doing at a prostitute's house anyway? I just, I, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just try to, I'm just trying to figure that out, okay? But uh, I know they were undercover. I under, get that, I get that. And well, I, I don't mean undercover in that way. I mean, under, you know. But what I'm saying is God used the prostitute, Rahab, to deliver them, and there had to be some kind of lack of, there had to be a a, a willingness to at least not judge her and see that God could use even somebody of ill repute to be their deliverer. So I think that we need to change our approach to to the lost, especially to our brothers and sisters that are possibly struggling with sin. See, God has a desire for the whole body the whole body of Christ, to be made pure. Now, one of the messages for this year is purity, purity of heart, holiness. He wants every member to become uh, positioned in a place that it can supply its part to the whole body. And that that means we need every one of us, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And and we have to move towards holiness, move towards purity. See, John continues to carry his purity theme throughout his entire, all of his letters. Uh, and he addresses sin in every chapter that he writes. John was, he, he, he was known as the holy apostle. He was the one that laid his head on Jesus' breast. He's the one that they couldn't kill. God loved. This is the one that God loved. Jesus loved him the most. And, and he addresses sin. He, he enlists the family of God in the promotion of purity. And he says you do that through prayer, through intercessory prayer. See, failure for you and I to pray on behalf or pray for our sinning brother or our sinning sister is a sin in itself. Samuel understood the principle. In 1 Samuel 12, 23, it says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should. Do in the good and right way. Samuel wouldn't stop praying for Saul. Even though he knew that the hand of God had been lifted off of Saul, he says, I'll still pray for you. Saul may have been one of those who committed a sin unto death. He turned to the witch of Endor. He turned to uh, looking to someone besides God. He renounced God. He looked to raise up the, and, and conjure up the spirit of Samuel. He, or the, the, you know, this, this man had... Terrible things. He 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 took on the priestly role when he was only a king, and uh, you know he made all kinds of sinful practices. He was a very insecure man. Moses understood the power of intercessory prayer for a sinning people. In Numbers chapter twenty-one, it says the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And so the people became the people came to Moses and said, "We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord, and we've spoken against you." But well, I'll tell you what, it's important that you, you learn that uh, you may have judgments against men of God, but I wouldn't speak them. If God has a way of defending his own. That's, that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. I make lots of mistakes, but be careful that you don't be too quick to judge. Uh, it, it's easy to point your finger, but there's three pointing back at you. Remember that? And, 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 you know, judge not lest you also be judged. I, I think we have to get this spirit right. But anyway, we see this with Moses, and he says, We've sinned because we have spoken against the Lord, and we've spoken against you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And so are, oh, and Moses interceded for the people. Well, I thought we need more intercession for our brothers. We need more intercession for our people. You know, when people sin, sometimes they can't get out of their sin unless we pray for them. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses, uh, the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. Now this is God speaking. He He says, behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then let me alone and let my anger burn against them that I may destroy them. And I will make of you a great nation. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes as a pastor, I would think, yeah, God, these are an obstinate people. If you'll make me a great nation, just destroy them. I don't know if God made that offer to me. I might just get rid of all of you. <laughs> no, Moses had the right attitude. He had the right heart. He said, then Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people with whom you have brought, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? You know, God calls them his people, your people. Moses says, no, no, no they're your people. Moses makes the intercession. You have to understand, Moses prayed for his brothers. Moses prayed for their sins. They were obstinate. They were sinful. They were unbelieving. They were slavish in their mentality. And, and yet God has Moses interceded, and, and, and Moses changed the heart and the mind of God towards their sinfulness. John 17, verse 9 says, I ask on their behalf. This is John again. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me they're yours. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith. So, first of all, Jesus was praying for brothers and sisters. He's praying for those that are part of the family of God. He says, I'm not praying for the world. He says, I'm praying for the family of God. He says, I'm praying for those that are saints, those that are going to be in the kingdom. He says, I don't pray for the world. He says, the world is lost. Jesus isn't praying for the world, by the way. He, he makes intercession for the saints. He makes intercession for. It, our responsibility is to go to the world. Our responsibility is to intercede on behalf of the world. Our responsibility is to be a reconciler to God. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith that it wouldn't be sifted, that he, that he wouldn't be sifted by Satan. Remember when Satan took and buffeted Peter and Peter denied Christ? Jesus turned to him and said, I prayed for you, Peter, that you would, that when this temptation came, you wouldn't be sifted like wheat, that you would. He says, and once you've come through this, strengthen your brothers. You know, no matter what the unclear portions of these passages may be, one thing is clear. John instructs the family of Christ's followers. He instructs you and I to pray for our sinning brothers and sisters whenever we become aware of a problem. As a pastor, I get a lot of people reporting to me the sins of each other. But what am I supposed to do about it? Pray. Paul instructed the church to pray for one another every time they're gathered. What are we praying for? You know, are we just a bless me club or we just rub each other's heads and ooh, you f-? No, we we pray that we come out of our sinfulness, that we pray that we come out of the weaknesses of our flesh. We we pray one for another, we strengthen one another. That's why, that's why koinonia is so important. Fellowship is really important. You know, many people love to come to a big church like this because they can get lost in it, but you're not really being church unless you're in a soul group, unless you're doing life together with other fellow believers. If you're not in a small group, if you're not with people, and you're not having the rough edges rubbed off of you, oh, and don't, don't kid yourself. The hardest thing to do is to do church. This is the hardest thing in the world to do. Look at you. You would never even be together if it weren't for the church. Most of you would never even darken the door of each other's houses if it weren't for church. We have every kind of person here, every walk of life. You have the poor, the weak, the sorrowful, the, you have the, the, the well-off, you have the rich, you have the, the middle-aged, the old, the young. The, I mean, every dimension of life is here in the church, black, white, Indian, colored, Chinese, Japanese, and, and guess what? All your prejudices get to be touched here. All of your judgments get to be touched here. All of your attitudes get to be touched here. Just leave it to God to put you in a cell group with kind of people you just don't like. (laughs) Or maybe you're just so rich that they're beneath you. Or maybe you're so poor you don't think you could be there. No, 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 no. That's not how God sees it. God doesn't see you that way. God sees you as... Lively stones being joined together. He sees you as a family that needs to come together. So Paul says in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, he says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Well, what are we on the alert for? If it isn't for sin, if it isn't for weakness, if it isn't for our failing and our falling. See, I think what we've done is we've prayed for success and we've prayed for wealth and we've prayed for our own lives and we prayed for ourselves, but throughout the Scriptures you're going to find out that God is more interested in us praying one for another, for our brothers and sisters. Paul instructs the Colossians and the Romans to devote themselves to prayer. He says in Colossians 4:2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Romans 12 he says, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. You see, Jesus' disciples, the apostles, they considered prayer and study of the Word their top priority. In Acts it says that they, they, said, that they said that we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the study of the Word. You know, I used to read that and think, well, why, what, what's so important about praying so much? Well, let me, let me tell you something. I've, I've noticed as a pastor that if I pray for you and I intercede for you, I begin to see changes in your lives. The two most powerful things that we can do, one for another, is to pray one for another and to speak the Word of God to one to another. And as a, as a, if, if, if you're really an apostle, if you're a pastor, you're going to spend, find yourself spending more time in prayer. If you're really a a, a leader of your home, you're going to find yourself praying for your wife and praying for your children more than you are chastising them and chiding them. Try it. See what happens. If you're a cell leader, pray for your cell members. If you're a pastor, pray for your congregation. Before you do anything else, we ought to give ourselves to praying for our sinning brothers. See, I want to. In fact, I, I, I long to see believers pass out of death into life. And I did say that right. So I believe that there are many believers that are born again, but they're still living in death. I get to talk to many of you and you always have the same excuse. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I just, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do that. But, you know, uh, it's hard out there in the world, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm caught up in making money right now. Once I get my money made, then I'll take care of my responsibility with God. Yeah, well, you know, how many years is that going to take? You know, 40 years later, oh, yeah, did you make enough money? Hmm? Have you made enough money yet? Oh, but how many souls went to hell because you were making money? God couldn't provide for you. You had to provide for you, right? Does anybody know that person? Hmm? Did that money make you happy? You happy now? That make you happy? Well, you know, uh, we just took care of our family. Us four, no more. Well, uh, what about your neighbor? Well, you know, we just took care of our family. We, you know. Well, what about the, the neighbor next door that needed your help? No, we never got to know our neighbor. Did you think that maybe God might have put that neighbor next door so that you might lead them to Jesus? Did you ever pray for them? Did you even know what their names were? Did you ever go next door? Did you ever take them a cake, a pie? Did you ever make dinner for them? Did you ever invite them over? Did you ever find out what their needs were? Oh, no, 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 it's us four, no more. Anybody listening to me? We bought into a Babylonian system. Even the church did this. And we stopped praying one for another. We stopped caring about the burdens of others. Oh, yeah. We sit in judgment. Well, I I used to go out to the farming communities and You'd sit with the farmers and, boy, I'll tell you what, the farmers were very quick to tell you about everybody's problems on their, on their farms. Every farmer, by the way, knows how to farm better than any other farmer. I think it's true today, too. Every farmer knows how to farm. and The other farmer is an idiot. And then they have pecking orders. You know, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good farmer. Uh, yeah. and, and, and there's guys that you, you can't refute because they're, they're, they're great. But then it would always come out, yeah, but he's an alcoholic. Yeah, he, had, he, yeah, he, he does these wife-swapping parties. And they weren't, they, 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 there was community, but it wasn't community. There was some good community, but there was, there was other factions. And there was judgments. And there was jealousies. And there was bitterness. And, 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 and the reason that God couldn't coalesce us was because we're in judgment of each other the whole time. Is that in the church? How many of you are sitting here today and you're thinking of the brother that, yeah, he commits adultery? Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have a few. There's a few brothers that commit adultery in the church. Are you, are you the judge? Are you condemning them with your voice? Are you condemning them with your judgment? Or are you praying? Say, God, it breaks my heart that a member of the body of Christ can be caught up in a sin like that. Now, that may be a sin unto death. I don't know, but I would still pray for my brother. We'll get to that in a minute. Just tap your neighbor and say, I'm glad our pastor talks about light subjects. (laughs) The Bible talks about there's one exception to the promise of praying for one another. And it was probably understood in John's day, and and the readers probably understood it. It's more obscure to us today. In, In 1 John 5, 16, it says, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death... He shall ask, and God will give for him life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leads to death. I do not say that he should make a request for this. What, what is the sin unto death? I, I don't know what that is. I, I wish I was as good of a Bible scholar as some of you. Uh, some people say it's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that may be the sin unto death. Uh, all we know is that we're encouraged that, we, that, we sh- that we're, not, we're not encouraged to pray for a, per- a person who's committed a sin unto death. But it's not that we shouldn't pray, but the indication is that God can't answer that prayer. There's people that commit a sin unto death, maybe in Hebrews it refers to that a little bit where it says that they trampled the blood of Jesus under their foot again and are beyond redemption. The unpardonable sin. I don't know what that is. I'm not trying to put anybody under condemnation. In fact, I don't think if you're in this meeting, you probably have committed the unpardonable sin. But what is a sin unto death? Most commentators don't know. We know that all sin brings death. Sin begets sin, begets more sin, and eventually begets death. Otherwise, God would not have to grant life to those who are sinning. John seems to be indicating here another level of death, perhaps a final death, maybe indicated by a physical death. Uh, the Apostle Paul once turned a sinning brother over to the destruction of his flesh that his soul might be saved. These are, these are tough uh, scriptures to wrestle with. I'm not giving you an answer. I'm giving you three schools of thought. The passage might mean one option is that John may be referring to the false prophets, to the Antichrist spirit, those who reject the true teachings of Christ concerning uh, you, you know, who Christ really is, and they take upon themselves an Antichrist spirit. He says that, that may be an unforgivable sin. That may be a sin unto death. Uh, and yet, at the same time, they call themselves brothers. Uh, it seems that the, this rejection is unredeemable. It will be final. The second option relates to those that may be convicted of some kind of a capital crime. You know, some people say that it, there's certain crimes that you commit. And, uh, you know, some, some would say that adultery is one of those. Some would say that, the, you know, the seven deadly sins, uh, you know, when they're enacted in their fullness may be one of those capital crimes, murder. Uh, I, I'm not making a judgment here. I'm just saying what people say, okay? And the third option may have to do with those who choose. The sin itself brings in continual sin. This is where and often is on the sinner. And often is accompanied by an early release from life in this world. Think about that. Now I don't want to delve into that too much because that's interceding for one another. We have our hands full interceding especially for our sinning brothers and sisters. So I don't want to get hung up on the possible exceptions, rather to focus our attention on the power and the purpose of prayer in the lives of those that we get to do life with. I have, uh, as a pastor, been disappointed deeply by some of my brothers and sisters in the Lord, by my own life, to be honest with you, and found myself... In dire need of prayer, found myself praying. And often through prayer and through walking with somebody and going through their struggle and their trial, seeing them come to the other side and become the man of God, the woman of God, the person that I knew that they could become. But sin had grasped them and sin had so blinded them and so bound them up that they couldn't be free. And yet today, through prayer, through intercession, through friendship, and through fellowship. They're free from sin and walking in liberty and are a great asset to the body of Christ. You see, when it comes to dealing with sin or a sinning brother, it should always be the starting point. It should become a major part of our daily intercession. We may not even know what the particular sin is, but we can recognize the these death symptoms in our brothers or our sisters. You know when somebody has death on them. You can smell it. You can see it. There's broken relationships all around them. That's a sign. How many have so many broken... Every, you know, uh, somebody said to me one time, he says, if Mary has a problem with, the problem with Sam, maybe Mary's the problem. If you have lots of broken relationships, there's probably a sin that's killing you. We need to pray for you. You need prayer. You need somebody to walk with you. You need to be guided. We need to help you. Anger. The Bible says, be careful if you get around an angry man. He says, beware of that angry man because you could learn his ways. He says, if you rescue an angry man, you'll have to rescue him again. Anger is a symptom. Anger is a symptom of something deeper, a deeper problem. Apathy towards the Word of God. Well, I'll tell you what. When people begin to get sinful, they, they become apathetic towards fellowship. They become apathetic towards the Word of God. They become apathetic towards spiritual things, towards prayer. That's an indicator of sin in a person's life. Pray for people. Pray that they get their hunger back. Lack of love. And people become unloving. And there's reasons for that. I mean, look, we all have our excuses why I can't love that person. No. The love of God is an agape love. It loves in spite of the person. See, when you're full of the word, when you're full of love, you can even love the unlovely. Are those holy murmurs or are they? What, what, what are we talking about here today? <laughs> Some people get a worldly focus. They're so focused on this world. You know, they have all the accoutrements of what makes them think and feel and look like they're a success. Their Facebook page is perfect, their selfies. And, and my wife always says, Why do the girls always go? <laughs> what is that? You got the car, you got the house, you got the good looks, you got the, 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 the facelift, whatever you needed. But you become so focused on this world and the things of this world that you miss the greater. That's sin. We need to pray for those people that they figure out what the real value in life is. Lack of joy. But there's nothing worse than somebody who loses their joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And and once you've lost your joy, I don't know what to say to you. Lack of sharing. And there's one who gives more than he should and never lacks. There's one who withholds more than he should, never has enough. Well, I'll tell you what, when somebody gets greedy, when, you can see it, it, it and, and it's sinful. It's, it's actually very ugly. There's no liberality in them. They, they count every penny. They, 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 they measure everything. It's your turn to buy. You know, you, I, you pay, I paid five cents more than you did. You, you, you owe me. And it's really strange, but that, that's a spirit, and, and that's sinful. And, and, and when you start seeing these things, that's, that's when you know you need to pray for our brothers. Pray that they come out of that. Lack of service. You know, when people stop serving, when you stop giving of your, of your life, when you stop pouring your life out for others, that's a, that's a pretty good sign that there's uh, a death symptom inside of you. Negative focus. You know, some people, well, I'll tell you what, the cup's always half empty. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, I'll tell you, they can find a, They can find a cloud and they can never see a silver lining. It's just a doom and gloom. Murmuring. Some people, they can complain and murmur about everything. Gossiping. All these things that the Bible talks about are indicators of death in our brother, people that are sinning. And I think it's important that we, as mature saints, find our role in prayer. If I read through the Scriptures, I find out that Jesus' focus was never on himself. He would pray so he could meet the needs of a sinning people. He would pray that he could heal the sick. He would pray for others. He never prayed for himself. He always prayed for others. Did you notice that? The apostles, they seemed to not pray for themselves. They seemed to be praying for others. They seemed to be trying to interface with a sinful group of people that they called the church. They prayed for their sinning brothers. Paul lamented. If you read Paul, Paul lamented over all of the brothers. Demas forsook me for the love of this world. Pray for him. Mark, he'll be profitable for us now, but I send him away because he he was fearful and I couldn't use him. He he was sinful, but now I can use him. Have Mark come. Have him come before winter. Alexander the coppersmith did us much harm. But it's always couched in Let's pray for these people. Let's let's believe for redemption. This is the church, folks. Alexander the coppersmith is right here in church today. Judas is in church today. Jesus prayed for Judas, but he was the son of perdition. Had Judas repented, I think Judas would still be around. But he couldn't repent. He, He yielded to the devil. Simon Peter also yielded to the devil. Satan entered into his heart. He denied the Christ three times. And yet he repented. Jesus said, I prayed for you. I prayed in your sinful moment. I prayed for you. Are we praying for each other? Or are we judging each other? Have we lost a heart of compassion? Look, some of you are more concerned about a sinner. Oh, we're going to pray for that sinner. You pray for a sinner, but you won't pray for a saint who's in sin. Sin is terrible. Sin grips our hearts. Sin breaks us. Can we be a little more compassionate? Can we change our tone a little bit? Instead of judging each other, speaking down to each other, being prideful. Do you know who I am? Do you know how holy I am? I'm not too holy these days. If there's any righteousness in me, it's by the blood of Jesus. If there be any goodness in me, it's by Christ. Christ. And my judgments aren't going to help anyway. By the way, I'm not the judge. And if I've said something today that sounds like I was talking about you, I I had nobody in mind. I wasn't speaking to you personally, okay? Now, if God was speaking to you, deal with it. Amen? Get over it. Grow up. Repent. Nobody sent me a list of names and, oh yeah, this person does that. No, no, no. That's not how I operate. But these are common anomalies, common sins, common things in people's lives. And I've watched people shipwreck their lives and live a life of regret. Well, don't live a life of regret. Repent and make up for it now. Stop doing the old things. Do the new. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this word. I ask that it would go deep into the hearts of the believer. That every person here would hear with their spirit, with their heart, with their mind. And Father, there would be a life-giving moment in this message. Father, I believe that you want us to be more sensitive one to another. I believe you want us to really build relationships and friendships and walk through. Father, it's so easy for us to want to avoid the pain of another man's life or to avoid their sinfulness or to think that it'll taint us. And in some cases it may. But Father, we choose to be those that pray one for another. You said if we see a brother sinning, pray for him. Pray for him. If it's not a sin unto death. Father, help us to pray one for another. Help our prayer lives to focus and rivet on what you see as important. That's people's lives, souls. Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our next speaker hopefully will be a lot lighter than that. (laughs) But that's why you have dads in the house. You know, we get to, sometimes we're bringing a rod of reproof, a little bit of correction for a reason, to help us. You know, if If you feel a conviction, don't don't slough it off. Say, oh man, you know, because I I preach out of my own convictions. I'm saying, man, I have felt that way, even as a pastor. There's times I've looked at some people and think, ah, guy's too far gone. (laughs) I get disappointed. Oh, look at him. There he is again, doing this or doing that or whatever he's doing. But can I tell you something? I've been proven wrong so many times. And I can almost tell you, every time I've stopped and said, let me pray for that person. Sometimes it didn't happen in a year. Sometimes it didn't happen in a Sometimes it took five years. And all of a sudden, that brother or that sister turns again. And the Bible tells us, here's how we're to take care of those prodigal sons. There's a way. When you see them coming, run towards them kill the fatted calf, put a robe on their back, a ring on their finger, put new sandals on their feet and say, hey, welcome home. We're we're glad you're back. You were lost and now you're found. You're part of our family. Pastors especially, don't be too hard on those that sin and those that betray you and those that hurt you. This is a season where many, many prodigals are going to come home. They've been broken out there. They've been hurt. They've been broken. Love on them. Love on everybody you be the epitome of love be full of the spirit be full of the word be like Jesus Amen Thanks for listening For more teachings and videos visit celebrationmen.org